I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. This next film that uh, I get to talk about, that uh, I actually got to interview a team. It wasn't just one person, but it's a film called Best and Most Beautiful Things. And you really need to see this film for so many reasons. If nothing else, then just to meet the protagonist, Michelle Smith, and find out a little bit more about her life, her journey, and some of her insights and the wisdom and the things that she brings to the table. And so, sadly, I wasn't able to interview uh, the director, Garrett, uh, for this, but we were joined by uh, a whole team of people. We had Jeff in the room, Ariana in the room, Jordan in the room, and of course, uh, Michelle was there as well. You're going to fall in love with Michelle without a doubt. I think pretty much everyone is, or and those who haven't met her yet are soon to fall in love with her. I guarantee it. And and we talk a lot about, you know, I'm I'm not really sure if there was a theme to this interview, but w- without a doubt, this this interview is. I mean, we talk about cats and about you know different things like that. But 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 really, what this uh, interview was about for me was about relationship. It was about tr- trust. It was about authenticity. It was about being. Uh, what it means to be you and the energy in the room and the excitement and the passion was palpable. And so I think you're going to not only really enjoy this interview with this uh, team of marvelous, committed, passionate people, but you're also going to love this film. So check it out, Best and Most Beautiful Things. And uh, don't forget to check out davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and about the work I do as a social change consultant. And of course, my new hot book, Real Change is Incremental Flying off the digital shelves uh, and wait for it best and most beautiful things well welcome to face to face we are uh, joined by another very special group of people here today and you're going to get to know them i hope uh, a little bit more uh, intimately uh, as i already have and i've only known these guys for all of about three minutes and i'm going to let them all introduce themselves we're going to be talking about the film best and most beautiful things a really i'm going to say really quickly a beautiful film a touching film, compelling on so many levels, and uh, we're going to find out maybe why that is the case. Michelle, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Michelle Smith. I am the subject of the film, and I hope that um, not only can it be, you know, 
touching and, and, and beautiful. I hope that it can also maybe make you make you laugh at certain parts and maybe even make you angry at certain parts because not everyone is 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 nice and warm and fuzzy in the film. There are a couple of um, a couple of not so nice people, but I think that we kick their butts. So, <laughs> figuratively speaking. Well, you always have to have a villain in every yes. movie. <laughs> Uh, I'm Jeff Consiglio. I'm one of the producers and the editor of the film. Been involved for about three years of the six years that this film has been in gestation. I'm Jordan Salvatoriello. I'm one of the cinematographers and I'm also one of the producers. And I had the pleasure of meeting Michelle many years ago. I think I was one of uh, our director Garrett Zavitas's first teammates. Um, about, came on about five years ago and uh, started out by filming Michelle's senior prom at Perkins School for the Blind in Watertown, Mass. And that was, I was hooked after that. And my name is Ariana Garfinkel. I'm also one of the producers of the film. And we're just extremely happy to be here at Hot Docs with Michelle and wanted to give a quick shout out to our director who couldn't be here today, Where Garrett. The hell is he? Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, Garrett Zavitas, uh, who sends his love, and our executive producers, Kevin Bright and Claudia Bright. He's either on a plane right now or bartending a crazy party. <laughs> I hope he's. Uh, I hope he's at the latter. So this film, for the, I'm assuming, not many people have seen it yet because uh, it's not quite out there uh, in a big way, which I'm hoping it's going to be very soon. Tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit. I mean, it's a pretty nuanced film. It's pretty layered. It's obviously about your story, but it's about so much more than that, Michelle. There's a lot going on in this film. A lot more going on than meets the eye. It seems to me. Um, well, we filmed for, for years. I mean, I, they did all the hard work. I just ran around and ran my mouth a lot. Um, so a lot of that, there being so, so much, this 90 minutes packs, you know, quite a punch. You know, I think it has to go out to all, you know, all our editors and directors and producers and all those cool people. Um, but I know for me, um, one of the things that kept me always so excited about the film, other than the fact that I just, I like being filmed, I'm kind of a ham, um, and a camera hog. A ham and a hog, wow, look at that. So, so you're a little bit of a performer then, is what you're saying. I, I am, and I love to perform. I've never really dealt with stage fright ever since I could sing, which was before I could walk. I've been on stage, you know, at family events and, you know, church events and things like that before I became an atheist. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I, um, to me, I think that one of the things that kept me really engaged, um, you know, and there were, there are many, many things, and I don't want to say that it, it's definitely far from the only reason, I don't think it's even the biggest reason, but is that I was hoping to share some of the lessons that I've learned at, apparently, according to lots of people, a younger age than a lot of other people learned those lessons, like that other people's ignorance is not your burden to bear. Mm. And it's that, a great line from the film. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wonderful. came up with that on the spot. I was surprised. <laughs> it seemed like you did. Uh, it's, it's, it speaks to your, uh, to me anyway, it speaks to your level of experience and the things that you've had to, you know, deal with and unpack along the way. I'm hoping that this film can help with some social change. I think part of the reason that our society is so you know, fearful of things that are different 
is because our, our society has an obsession with the norm and a, an obsession with the pretense of perfection. And I'm hoping that maybe uh, this film uh, will help other people to realize that they can be themselves and be honest with themselves. And that, you know, for me, and I, I struggle, I, you know, like I have autism and I have, um, and I'm medicated for depression and anxiety. The only medication for, for autism is giving in to your special interests and, and generally just accepting yourself. Um, but, you know, I'm medicated for anxiety and depression and I, um, like for me, it surprises a lot of people when I tell them that because like it wasn't until like about a year ago that I started being medicated. Um, and or maybe even like a year and a half ago, uh, but it happened far far before or far after the movie had been started mm -hmm. filming. And I think part of the reason that I am such a happy person in general in life and why you know I don't let my, my like my my anxiety and my depression don't take over for very for very long and don't take over very often is because I'm so honest with myself and so accepting of myself and when I discover something new about myself though there may be an, an initial no way that's not there's no way oh or I'm not like that or that's not I don't like I don't like that um, there is very quick sort of acknowledgement of oh yes yes I am like that yes I do like that and then a celebration of that um, and for me I'm, I'm, I think I'm just naturally honest um, I, you know, from a young age, I always spoke my mind. Like I said, I could talk before I could walk. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it, and I'm hoping that it will help other people to, you know, learn to, you know, express themselves. And then maybe if more people express themselves and express what they like, and that, you know, you know it just happens to be different from the norm, the more people, you know, admit that to themselves and to others and, and embrace it, the more people will realize that, well, well, I'm not alone. It's like a chain reaction. And then more people who aren't like that will be like, well, maybe that's not so different. Maybe that's not so unusual. Michelle, you got to wonder if mental health issues, and most of us, I would say, are suffering from them in one way or another, yes. right? Family issues, relationships. I'm sorry if I talked too know. long. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's awesome. Lots of wisdom, lots of insight there. It's amazing stuff. I love the fact that you're naturally honest. I mean, so many of us aren't, it seems to me, right? And, and uh, I just, I think that, I mean, is it, aren't we really looking for, you know, authenticity and transparency? One of the themes for me, I've got about six interviews for Hot Docs this year, and, and you know, you kind of look for those connecting dots, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, it's been one of a uh, spirit of inclusion. You know, this idea, this idea of an embrace, or, you know, the, 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 the sense of um, the wisdom and the, 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 the warmth in, in relationships, as corny as that kind of sounds on a certain level, there's really so much truth in it, right? It doesn't really sound corny to me. I mean, it can, but, but it did not sound corny coming from you. It sounds corny sometimes coming from one of those fake happy people, <laughs> but you I think seem I know very a few genuine. of those. I think I know a few of those fake happy people. Yeah. 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 Came in on the train this morning from uh, outside of the city. Oh, yes. Well, you know, some of those people might have been genuinely happy because trains are really awesome, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do you collect those as well? I do. Well, I you, you can so. see them in, in the film. Right. I, I, have, um, I have quite a collection of, of little wooden trains and particularly um, Thomas the Tank Engine characters. Uh, not Thomas the Train, as the um, audio describer uh, called him. He's not a train, he's a locomotive slash engine. That would be like pulling up the hood of your car and pointing at the engine and going, look, it's a car. 
We need, we, we, we need to clarify <laughs> we those need to clarify that. It's Jeff, how, why six years? Why, why did this project take six years? Is, is it the kind of film that you could have done in 14 months if you'd had a bigger budget or more people? Or was there a, an intention behind that, that decision? Well, I can, I can guarantee you there was no intention to go six, six years. But um, it happened organically because Garrett, you know, first of all, so much of what you're talking about that comes across in the film is due to uh, Garrett earning the trust and the love of this wonderful character and bringing strong women into the production as well who can create that sort of intimacy and that trust with Michelle. Once you open that door, as you've already noticed, it just starts flowing and flowing and flowing, and it seems like, w when can we stop? There's more coming, there's more coming. But Garrett would tell you that the idea was originally to end the film at um, graduation of Perkins School for the Blind. He was shooting her during her school, and we thought the graduation would be the end, but what we learned at that time was that that's really where her story begins, mm. because there's um, something called the cliff, where um, kids graduate from the school they don't have any opportunities in the world, so they just fall off a cliff and end up in limbo. It, and that it, happened to Michelle. My name for it is the Escalator to Nowhere, the which is Simpsons nowhere. reference. Yeah. From the episode and, Marge versus the Monorail. And so suddenly there was this ennui, you know, in Michelle's life, and this bright, incredibly promising young woman was, as she says in the film, stuck in a room for a year. So th that was, this was a group decision by everybody. It's like, we can't stop now. This is, this is you know, the most interesting part. This is the big story. And then it just went on and it went on. And then you do have the common problems of filmmaking, which is we're out of money. We have to get more money. <laughs> How do we shoot the next day? And it just keeps going, keeps going. But mostly, I would say, her life was just very interesting. It kept getting interesting. It was difficult to club this thing off and the, make it stop. I think the cliff, or as I call escalator to nowhere, I think only was like half of it. And this just occurred to me now, though I've probably been thinking it subconsciously, but Perkins was in some ways holding me back. And by that I don't mean they were keeping me from, you know, fully sort of being like, you know, like in any sort of like academic way. I mean like there are scenes, there are things in the movie that I do that I would never be able to do at Perkins. Mm -hmm. I would never be able to leave Perkins with a bag full of, um, of, you know, random leather unmentionables and say, I'm going to a party, bye. <laughs> so, so that, you know, that's there's just scene, one thing. There's a scene with, I think, one of your, your former teachers? Yes. Or care providers? Yes. Where you... He's a teacher. Where, which, frankly, was a tad bit uncomfortable for me, even Oof. as a viewer, uh, which I know was intentional, but that you challenged her and said, hang on a minute here, maybe it might be worth looking outside of your structure, you know, outside of the framework oh. that oh, says... Oh, you're this talking about Lori. When I, said, when I said that I wasn't able to do kink things at Perkins, I thought you were talking about my situation with Jeff, and I was like... I'm surprised that made you uncomfortable. It seemed it, like he, he seemed really cool about it. No, no, I mean you're. Lori. You, uh, yeah, yes. exactly. When uh, that about scene makes a lot of people be able to do X, Y, and Z because of your limitations. It's your autism of, speaking. Exactly. So nothing yeah. you say That's um, right. offends me, which basically means nothing you say has no has no weight, and. Um, it's really interesting hearing the responses from uh, from different audiences. It, you know, there are some audiences where it's mostly stunned silence, and I think it has to do with the fact that you need just one person to boo or scoff, and then you get a chain of a chain reaction because then people feel mm -hmm. like it's okay for them to boo or scoff. And in Florida and in Boston and other places, we got those 
those great those great reactions. And in some ways, that is my favorite scene in the film. Hmm. And even though it is uncomfortable, that's not surprising to me. Um, because you are somebody who pushes back, right? I, I do push back, and I'll tell you why it's one of my favorite scenes in the film and why it actually caused some closure for me. Hmm. Um, the, it's my favorite scene, or at least it, in some ways, and one of my favorite scenes in the film, is because it shows people that there are not two types of people who work with people with disabilities, the angels and the devils. You know, people have this idea that you're either, you know, an angel and oh my goodness, you must, you know, you, you're so, you know, you're so wonderful for working with people with disabilities and, and, you know, so, you know, inspirational and things like that. Or you're like a creepy person who's on a power trip or wants to molest uh, people with like very little power. You know, there's not those two you know, those are two, the two extremes. There's also people who think that they're doing good and, you know, clearly she didn't think she was being mean or she wouldn't have said it in front of the camera. She knew there was a camera right. there. Well, this is the way this woman dealt with um, people like you. Yes. Right? And, and I say that uh, in a way that... Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly, right? So for her, it's either or, I think. Yep. Right? There was yeah. a certain way either to way. to heal yep. someone like you, forgive me for saying that, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, right? I know what you mean. And, I'm and scoffing at, at, at yeah. the, the idea, not well, at we, what you're we, saying. We do it all the time, though, yes. right? We do it all yes. the time, not just with, with uh, uh, other people, but we do it with ideas. Yes. Seems to me, or I mean, I was talking to somebody recently about. I think you'll appreciate this, Michelle. But mm -hmm. talking to somebody about our, our our school system, and his phrase was, "Oh, it's broken five ways from sideways." I think he meant Sundays, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, and I and I kind of wanted to applaud, you know. And my kids are young yep. enough that they're going through this system. And mm -hmm. I remember my daughter coming home and talking. Uh, she was, she was in kindergarten. They were teaching her mathematics. I was actually pissed off. Because I actually think some of our pedagogy has to do with what you're talking about right now, Michelle. This mm -hmm. idea that you can't see people for more than just, I guess, the sum of their parts, right? You're, a, mm -hmm. you're an equation, you're a problem to be solved, right? right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think it's a, it's a really, I mean, there's so many things going on in this film. It's I mean, it's, this is a great film about you. I learned so much about you. But it raises so many questions about so many other things, which is marvelous. One of the things that I recently, um, I came up with randomly when I was just having one of my one of my long thinks. I was like walking, pacing around in circles, which is one of my it's my thinking stem. It's what I do when I think. Um, is I walk around in circles. It's it's a form of stimming, and um, I thought that it's not that people are more than the sum of their parts because I'm a naturalist. I believe that things are. I don't believe that people have souls necessarily I think we have really amazing brains and even though love is just you know chemicals in our brain that doesn't mean it's not amazing um, and so I thought it's not that people are more than the sum of their parts it's that so many people gloss over and just don't see so many of the parts even if we're you know even if we have practically like a neon sign over our head that says some of our parts that people don't see you know, I'm this, I'm that, I like this, I like that, I'm not this. You know, and people, people, you know, they will, they will selectively see certain parts of you and not others. Like Lori Spencer, she did not see how resourceful I am and how when I don't know how to do something, when I can't see something, I am really good at finding someone and having them help me. 
And I know that I have to find a specific person, because if I just say, can you please help me and look around the room, it has a bystander effect. Everyone will think someone else is going to do it. Um, and I understand those concepts better than most people I know who have vision do because, and don't have any disabilities because they don't have to deal with that on an everyday basis. So I need to, I want to, I, I want to know if you listen better than I do. Are you a better listener? I, I wonder if you um, um, make more, you know, keen observations than most of us. You're a poet. Is this is this your way of saying I'm talking over you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sorry. You can't get a word in edgewise here for crying out loud. What kind of, what kind of interview is this? <laughs> I'm interviewing you. What's That's your, right. What's your favorite color? Yes, well, I don't have one. Mine's blue. Blue, nice. Purple's probably mine. I like purple, too. Okay, I, I, like, purple. I like it when I meet a man who's not afraid to say his favorite color is purple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Maybe red. I do like red. Red's purple. nice too. It yeah. doesn't look too good on me, but I like red <laughs> as a color. I don't wear a lot of red. My kids do though. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I guess what's connected to that question is: ha, is there was there ever a time you were told you were disabled, right? Oh yeah. Um, is there was there a time for you where you decided or you kind of came to the realization this isn't really a disability in my world. This is this is uh, I've you know you're so. Uh, this is about self-actualization, this is about self-awareness, this film, and you're coming of age, and all these things. We all are. I'm 50. I'm still coming of age. For you're not about. 50. I am. You I know. So Isn't young. that ridiculous? And yeah. I like purple. I mean, it's insane, right? <laughs> Love 50, it. Yeah. It keeps you young. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, and I, and I, and I just wondered, you know, the, where, the, there's a poet in you, right? Oh, uh, that, thank you. That I, and I think all poetry is about noticing the little things. Does that make sense? I, I, yes, I, um, there have been times in my life where I have ranted about something that was negative about me. The fact that I was, I used to be a horrible procrastinator, and in some ways I still am, because I'm out of practice on not procrastinating because I'm not in school anymore. Um, so it's, you know, it naturally just sort of ebbs back into my life. I'm trying to think about a, a joke for procrastination, and I can't come up with them. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll think of it later? Yeah, I'll think of it later, yeah. Ah, that's funny. But um, anyway, I, I, um, I was saying, you know, I get the assignment, and then I think, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow is the day that, I'm, that I have it due. And then I wait until the very last minute uh, at night to do it. And then I get so tired that I, that I decide to go to sleep. So I wake up the next morning, and instead of going and doing it, I go downstairs and hang out with my friends and eat breakfast. And then I wait until break time. And I try to do it during break time, but instead I hang out with my friends in the break room. So then I try to convince one of my teachers to let me do it in his class. And then I get detention, but at least I get it done. And my teacher was like, that's amazing. Because she thought it was poetry. <laughs> I was right. just talking like about right. things that bothered me. And so I, I, I get talking, what you're saying. Talking, exploring, making observations, yes. right? But for me, when you're saying, like, if, if I've been told that I'm disabled and didn't think that that was true, I think it's more complicated than that. I mm. do think that I am disabled, that I have disabilities, but I don't think I am unable right. or unable. No, that's good. Yeah. That I am, or that you're less than. That I'm less than, yeah. exactly. Like, um, you know, I definitely... I am. I have handicaps. That's just. A, that's just a, a, mm. a, a true, but one of them, and that being the autism, you know, which is definitely, you know, d disputable. Um, 
in some ways because I feel like the disability comes from more of the outside than the inside. It comes from more than how the majority of people's brains work than it does how my brain mm -hmm. works. Because my brain works differently. It doesn't work worse. Just like right. anyone else, I'm, be right. I'm better at, at some things and worse at other things. It's just that, you know, it, my brain works a little differently, makes different kinds of connections, and doesn't make other connections that might be obvious to someone who's neurotypical. And I think neurodiversity is very important. Um, but when it it's comes a great to phrase. I've never heard that phrase before, uh, neurodiversity. I love it. One of the, but the thing that I'm definitely able to say, oh yes, this is, this is a disability indisputably, is my blindness. And it's a conversation I have with people um, a lot, which is, if they said that, and, and of course, there is a, not such a thing because it's the way your brain works is not a specific part of your brain that they can just cut out. But there's no, if there was a cure for autism, I would never take it. But hmm. if there was a cure for my blindness, I would take it in a heartbeat. And it's not because I'm unhappy, it's because I want, like, there, there are some times where I am bummed out and jealous because I'm like, oh, I can't play that video game that I, what I want to be able to play or whatever, but as a general rule, it's more like a bummer and an inconvenience than anything I'm really hmm. um, depressed about. But with my autism, I genuinely, and I, and I say this a lot, which is that the cure for autism is acceptance and accepting of yourself right. and good. surrounding yourself with people who accept you. It's great. Because your autism's still gonna be there, but it's not gonna be seen as a problem as much. Well, I think, it, I think in a way what I was trying to get at too about the whole poetry thing is I, I don't think any of us are really good listeners, actually. You know, we, we could all do better. And I think when it comes to people and others who are a little different than us, you know, as you guys call them, outcasts. I, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if you actually referred to that in the film, but I think it's in, in the in the it's on the poster, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the whole notion that we see others potentially as outcasts is kind of problematic for me. You know, mm -hmm. this this sense of other and what that means. And so I work in international development, so I'm around others all the time. And I've said this before on podcasts. Uh, if my students refer to them. Or, th or they, or those people, they'll lose marks. <laughs> like, let's talk about Cambodians, let's talk about Mongolians or Malawi, right? These are real, you know, human beings. Yeah. Yes. I just want to jump into and say my experience, Michelle, is a very good listener because she's always looking for a way that she can connect with somebody and ask. Mm -hmm. She's like, she asked you, what's your favorite color? Do you yes. have a cat? Do you have, what's your favorite TV show? Yeah, but that's coming up probably. <laughs> because, that, and that is one of the real messages of the film. We have two gerbils. Oh, a little, a little gerbil. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what it is. That's like a thing that I say sometimes, like when I see a gerbil, I'm like, oh, look, a little gerbil. <laughs> Just, well, ours, we have uh, Lily and Pepper. Yes. Oh, that's we, so adorable. Mm, had them about six weeks. Jordan. My cat's name is Catherine, and she's my favorite character in the movie. I'm not sure the gerbils would last too long around your cat. That's no, the sense no. I have. No, no, yeah. I think, I think that keeping them yeah. apart is probably a good that's idea. A good, it's a good call. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, can we talk a little bit about how the film has been made through your eyes? Uh, you know, right from the opening scene with the, I mean, I love the wooden match, by the way. Very beautiful, tactile, and I'm not sure where that decision was made in the writing, but, but the, the darkness, the contrast, and then from then on in, there's some pretty intentional choices, it seems to me, about trying to give us a better sense for what it's like to live in, in you know, in Michelle's world. Yes, that was, that was very intentional and definitely our goal was to, one, try to tell a very compelling story that would feel like a, a narrative that you could get lost into and, and um, but then to also 
help create some empathy and common humanity through uh, playing with your senses, um, mm -hmm. whether that be taking them away or, or amplifying them, and to really try to put yourself in Michelle's shoes on some level um, so you can relate to her, but um, really feel um, to try to create sort of this understanding that we are all, we are all people, we all, we're yes. all one. This is something I say a lot, which is we're all the same, which is awesome, but we're also all different, which is also awesome. It's true. This, this, I, this, um, I mean, for, for me of late, a, a real theme, and some, some of it's in some of the philosophy that I've even been reading of late, but this idea of similarity through difference. We are true. We absolutely have to acknowledge the differences without a doubt. You're different. You know, You're different just like everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> ex exactly. It's a beautiful way of putting it. But yet there's this, we've got to get on the same page. I mean, again, it's, it's sort of, you know, <clears throat> out there in 60-ish is th this may sound, you know, hippie-like and so on, this getting, wow, gee, we all, can we all get along? Yes, but, but I, I hope really, we can. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if this isn't the hope-so world that we're working for, and it seems to me, which is what I love about the film and so much uh, that I love about documentary film as a whole, is this idea, that, you know, uh, that we're, is what we're reaching for. Right? Yes, this is the current state of affairs, but really there's a whole lot more, again, going on here than meets the eye, which is what I, you know, you're, the film is so nuanced and layered. And, and uh, you're a complicated soul. I, I'm <laughs> a complicated brain, excuse there me. You go, Com Sorry, the yes. I'm just complicated <laughs> brain. There you go, Cops, sorry, yes. Complicated brain, there you go, yes. But um, I, I was, there's a couple things I wanted to, 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 to make sure I, mm -hmm. I said before we, and it's not, not, Sadly, not. we probably have to wrap it up. We're going to have an yeah. ang angry publicist coming through that door any but moment I, now. But there is, there are two things, and one yeah, is, please. I think the, the use of the, the phrase "not your average outcast" is actually sort of poking fun at the mm. idea of, you know, not your average person and not, not, you know, like an, an and outcasts, because like not your average outcast is kind of like a an oxymoron almost, or like a, you know, it's it's like saying, you know you're an outcast amongst the outcasts almost. And I think honestly it's sort of it's sort of played in, in sort mm -hmm. of a tongue in cheek way and it's almost sort of poking fun at the people who use the term outcast as a way of um, you know, dividing people. That's how I that's how I Absolutely. saw it. the first time I saw that phrase I giggled. And the other thing is the reason that the scene with Lori, with Lori Spencer, um, led me to closure was because I realized it's not me. It's her. It's not that what I'm doing doesn't make her th think I'm mature. It's that the way I am, the way I was born, will never make her see me as like a true, real adult. I will always be the other. And even though I say that in the, in the thing, in that actual scene, even though I am articulating myself better than I think I normally do on a good day, because hmm. I was I've been preparing for that for months because I knew I was gonna go and do it and I didn't want to start crying because I hate <laughs> confronting people who I know think they're doing good. Um, mm. Yep. And but I, I I luckily I've gotten a little bit better at it now. Um, well, but you, you it really made me, it made me leave and go. It's not me. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not that, you know, everyone in that room thought, oh, she's demanding a cane. It's that Lori can't see past my disabilities, which is really a, a tragedy because she works with people with disabilities. And I, you know, I know that in there, in, there are some ways when I was a kid that she discouraged me, but luckily I've shaken that off. And I hope that her other students, if they get discouraged by her, will shake it off when they grow up.
and realize um, her short-sightedness. Well, it's just a beautiful metaphor, too, for the sort of the bigger picture of, 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 of pushing back against the system almost. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of us. There's lots of outcasts. We're all outcasts for mm -hmm. crying out loud, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is back to the whole same page thing. Don't we all, I mean, you know, uh, we all suffer from mental health issues of one kind or another, it seems to me. And I think what's beautiful, again, about the film is, is, the, uh, is that, uh, well, didn't, um, uh, wasn't it a... a, a, a looking into what the word beauty meant? Wasn't that kind of the, the impetus for some of this? Which I don't know so why, how remarkable. he looked at me and made that connection. Uh. But um, <laughs> <laughs> And so are you working on your comedy routine? Are you heading to uh, L.A. anytime soon? Um, I, we might be heading to L.A., but that's mostly because if there's a film festival there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with your new comedy career um, ahead of you? Comedy, I've, I've always been a joke teller. And I always enjoy it when I can get in front of a microphone and instead of just doing like karaoke or singing a song or hosting something or something where I have a specific set of things I'm supposed to say slash sing, and I can just I can just riff for a while. I can just, you know, tell jokes and stories about my family. Well there's a scene stuff. in the film where you where you do there's like an open mic scene and I'm Oh not yes quite at Pride. There you go, that's what it is. And I actually had that sense that you so handled the room well and you could easily take on a on a full room without without too much trouble. That's why she's uh, going to every film festival. <laughs> good for good for you. So uh, Jeff, can you tell me let's come full circle. Six years is there a sense that you wish as a filmmaker, as a producer, and maybe this question is for you too, Jordan, I wish Garrett was here, that you could keep the camera rolling? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, and I've said uh, that you could pretty much of late, in the last two years of interviewing a lot of documentarians, I think you could parachute anywhere into the world, into a community with a camera, and make a doc film. And uh, yeah, anyway, a couple, couple thoughts there. Because people are fascinating, and unfortunately, uh, everyone seems to be too wrapped up in their in their own world, and I'm definitely guilty of this as, as well. Too wrapped up in their own world to see how uh, interesting other people are. There's a term I think it's in German or French or something that um, basically means that moment where you look around and realize everyone is as complex and flawed as you are. That's exactly what you mean by parachuting in somewhere. If you, you, if you parachute into an, a region where people don't know those people you're going to discover similarities and differences that make that can make a story. However, you you only encounter people like Michelle a couple times in your life. Right. Oh so my goodness! We're at keep this. That, keep that man a chocolate bar. <laughs> I, I, he has his own. That's right. I'm just I'm just bucking for another snuggle after this interview. I want oh, okay. Hug. Well, don't you but, don't um, you never have to worry about that. I am a snuggle machine. Yeah, but we especially on this festival tour, getting to hear Michelle speak like this. We all feel like, don't we, we wish the camera was still going. We could just do, you know, best and most beautiful things, too. Yeah. yeah Electric we would, Boogaloo. We love it. We love it. And we, we're very happy with the way the film is, but Michelle's going to be an interesting story for the rest of her life. And I just wanted to add to that. I think the struggle goes on, like the larger message. Um, and, and I hope that we will make some, you know, we'll chip away at that a little bit, but I think it's going to be a long road. And, and um, so, and with this statistic of you know, over 75% unemployment rate for people um, who are blind um, or have vision impairments, you know, mm. that's, that's something that's going to take a very long time to chip away at. And then changing the way we, we view others and all that you know that's a that's an ongoing process so yeah <laughs> we could never end it's an ongoing battle but it's a, it's a battle that I'm happy to fight and 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 um, 
Jeff, you were saying you, you wish there could be a, the second, a second movie. Well, I don't know about a second movie, but I'm pretty sure I'm enough of a freak to get a reality show on TLC. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to wrap it up here, sadly, and maybe at some point down the road we could do a part two. I, I, one, of the, one, of the, one of the amazing things about doing these podcasts and being able to interview people like you guys and, and is to to touch and just even briefly is into somebody else's life and and sort of step into somebody else's story and for me it's remarkable and it's a real uh, uh, um, joy for me honestly but but it's also a real frustration because I feel like for crying out loud we just we've barely scratched the surface here right we need we need the cameras on and this should be rolling or we should have like a hall of people here as we unpack some of this stuff together Uh, it's just it's remarkable how how many sort of touch points and uh, things and that that there are um this room is huge we could we could we could get some folding chairs in here absolutely yeah so what is so what is next with the film so is so uh wide release um into everyone's home we hope. Yes, that is the plan. We we just premiered the film this March at South by Southwest, and then we took it to Florida, so Dallas, fun, yeah. here at Hot Docs, Boston. We've um, and then we're going to Gina Davis's film festival in Bentonville, Arkansas. So we have a, a year of wonderful festival releases ahead to bring it to as many cities and communities as we can on that platform, and then in the beginning of 2017. A much wider release so even though it's been six years of actual production and we're very happy with the way the film turned out the real work of having people see and meet Michelle and understand the messages behind the film are just starting like Jordan said we have a long way still to go just to keep the conversations going but you can find out more at bestandmostbeautifulthings.com and follow our journey Nice. I was just about to uh, do the same for you. And we'll, we'll put links on the site, but that's bestandmostbeautifulthings.com. And I've been able to hang out with some of the best and most beautiful things here today. <laughs> uh, You're not the first person to make that joke, but it'll, oh, okay. always, it'll always good... be funny and adorable. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like it when I'm not, I'm not referred to as being adorable too often. I, uh... Well, you are so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys, for your, your, your transparency and authenticity for the film. It's, it's beautiful. It's compelling and provocative and all kinds of wonderful things. So thanks yeah. for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Can we mention our screening dates? Or yeah, please. Uh, so yeah, we've got, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, while we're here in Toronto, we are screening uh, Best and Most Beautiful Things uh, Wednesday. That's tomorrow, right? I'm <laughs> getting my days yeah. together. Wednesday at Scotiabank Theatre 4. That's at 8.45 p.m. And then again on Friday, May 6th at 7 p.m. at the Tiff Bell Lightbox 3 and Saturday, May 7th at Tiff Bell Lightbox 1. That's at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you. Thanks again, guys. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.